If you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in taxes, please listen to this important message. The IRS is aggressively hiring and quickly ramping up their tax collection team. Act now and protect yourself with a call to Tax Alliance. Don't let the money you owe the IRS keep you up at night and ruin your life. You may be... Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Happy that you're able to spend part of your busy afternoon with me. It is the end of the 2021 income tax filing season. Extensions were due yesterday, and I'm very glad to say that season is over. It was a very uh, busy one. I'm still not finished. I have a lot of uh, catch-up work. Uh, Once the tax season takes over the office with doing all the individual income taxes, any other work just has to take a back seat. There's just no two ways about it. It's my office is not a large office. It's small. And if I had 10 staff members, it would be different. But I chose not to do it that way. What's interesting is the statute of limitations for the IRS drops off at the end of, so if you filed in October, if you filed 2018's taxes in October of 2019, the statute of limitations is three years, so they can't go back and uh, add any bill or audit your tax for 2018 now because it's been there for three years. Now, there's some exceptions to that. The statute doesn't apply. The three-year statute gets stretched out if you have problems like underreporting your income, which is really, that's really the main uh, problem that the IRS looks for is underreported income. But as long as you've reported all your income, you don't have to worry about any tax years prior to 2019 now, uh, one of the things that can bring back the ability for them to look is if you amend your tax return, let's say you go back right now and amend 2019. Well, instead of 2019 statute ending next October of 2023 for them, for IRS, uh, they would actually get two years from the date you amend. So if you were to amend, let's say it's the summer of 2023 and 19's about to drop off for the three-year deal, if you amend your 19 next summer, they then have two more years to review your return and make sure it's, it's on the up and up. So these are just things, it's, it's kind of good to know, but It's not a big deal. Most people don't have to worry about it. But the real issue is if people don't report their income, it's a 10-year statute if you're really short on your income. And if you non-filers, it's forever. In other words, there is no statute. So that's why it's so important just to file, even if you're late. If you've got a couple years you haven't done yet, it's still just really good. Just get them filed, and then you don't have to worry uh, five years from now that you forgot to file something, and they can can ask you, uh, you know, later, 
actually any time. So business buzz, I try to keep it business oriented. I've been working so much lately that I finally had a chance to sleep in and I'm back to a normal uh, I'm back to a normal schedule of sleeping at sleeping at night and being up in the daytime. It was not that way for the last few nights. I've been 30 years at the same location, but as I get older, I realize I can't keep doing this many taxes. One interesting thing this year, this tax season, was a lot of people called to ask if I was taking on new clients because nobody else seemed to be, which tells me that there's just too much There's too much work now on these tax returns. Like I've said before on Business Buzz, there's no longer any such thing as a simple return. Every single one of them has some issue you got to call somebody about. It's never a straight shot anymore to take in some basic information and then just finish the tax and call the client and say it's ready. Those don't even happen anymore, hardly. There's always an issue, whether it's a ch- advanced child tax credit we have to reduce the refund by, whether it's a stimulus payment they didn't get the whole thing. I've had many clients tell me they didn't get their stimulus check, but then when we investigated, it turns out they did. And a lot of times that's because it got direct deposited and it just kind of slipped through the cracks and they didn't notice. I mean, it's kind of hard not to notice a $1,400 deposit out of nowhere, but then again, if people have a lot of money coming in, that could be that could be missed. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd say 90% of the people who told me they didn't get a stimulus check, turns out they did, and I kind of figured they did, but hey, the customer's always right. I remember a sign. It said, rules. One, the customer is always right. Two, if the customer is wrong, see rule one. And that pretty much that pretty much sums it up. The customer is always right. So on Business Buzz, I like to give you the news of the world, but I start locally and I spread out. And that's kind of the way I like to do it. This isn't necessarily news. Maybe it's my spin on it that I can make it make it interesting with. I've said before, the only newspaper I subscribe to is Enterprise Record because I like getting local news. I apologize if I'm very tired today. It's been a very long week leading up to the end of the 2021 filing season. And am I glad it's over. I have an article here. You've seen it if you if you subscribe to the ER also, you've probably seen it. But I was interested in eight people running for four Chico City Council seats. And this is an article by Jake Hutchinson. It was actually from August, but I hadn't read it yet, so I printed it for today. It says, with the primaries in the rearview mirror, Chico is inching toward the next election cycle for its city council. 
Chico is divided into seven districts, which were redrawn earlier this year, making this the first election cycle with the latest map. Districts 2, 3, 4, and 6 are all on the ballot this year. Of those districts, two will feature incumbents looking to keep their spots on the council. Each district for the election has two candidates. Well, that means two of these four is going to be someone new. That's interesting. So let's see what this thing says. District 2 starts at the northwest edge of Lower Bidwell Park. i got to figure where that would be. Northwest edge. Oh, okay, that would be one mile. And extends north toward the Chico Airport. Oh, wait, the northwest edge. That would be Mangrove and uh, the post office. And extends north toward the Chico Airport. It covers a large portion of Eaton Road and East Avenue. Currently, Vice Mayor Casey Reynolds is from this district and has been on the council since 2018. Reynolds is the owner of Schubert's Ice Cream, a downtown business. Her family opened in 1938. According to her candidate statement, Reynolds is running for re-election with an emphasis on public safety and supporting law enforcement. Reynolds hopes to continue progress on cleaning up local parks in downtown Chico. Now that makes sense that someone who owns a business that's been almost 90 years in Chico would be interested in cleaning up uh, law enforcement and downtown business. So that's that's pretty logical. Running against Reynolds is business owner Morgan Kennedy. Kennedy, a lifelong Butte County resident, is running for a seat on the council with the goal of adding representation to the middle and working classes. She has a background in social services and reproductive health and has been a community volunteer. Kennedy aims to promote promote smart economic growth, fire preparedness, affordable housing, and maintain infrastructure. Well, that, that all sounds pretty good. So Morgan Kennedy is a female. Now, I can think of when I first read that name, I wasn't sure. And does anybody have any idea why I wasn't sure? Well, there's a female actress named Morgan Fairchild. But there's a male law enforcement officer named Morgan Earp. Does anybody remember that name? Actually, that O.K. Corral is a pretty famous deal because of all the movies they've made out of it. But Morgan Earp is the Morgan that came to my mind. Okay, District 3. District 3 is a residential heavy district locked within the eastern portion of Chico. It borders District 2 and takes on the eastern sections of Eaton Road and East Avenue north of Bidwell Park. That would be by the airport, I think. Dale Bennett was appointed to the council to finish off the term of Cammie Denley, who resigned in June 2021. He graduated Chico State with a degree in psychology and worked in property and asset management for 49 years and counting. Wow, he must be a bit on the older side. Bennett states in his candidate statement that his decisions are informed, balanced, and made from my head and from my heart. Bennett has been involved with multiple local organizations, including the Chico History Museum, the Downtown Chico Business Association, and the Chico Chamber of Commerce. Monica McDaniel will be challenging Bennett for the District 3 seat. 
McDaniel has been a Chico resident for 29 years and earned a degree in art from Chico State. She managed a downtown business before opening an art supply store in town. For more than a decade, McDaniel has served on the Chico Arts Commission and is currently a performing arts instructor. McDaniel said she hopes to create a safe environment for residents while practicing compassion for homeless people. Other focuses include infrastructure and quality of life in Chico. Well, those all sound like noble goals. Interesting. On the other side of District 2 lies District 4, a section of the city that covers parts of the Esplanade as well as Mangrove Avenue. Aha, that's where I'm at. Both Enlo Medical Center and the Chico Cemetery are located in District 4. Well, that's pretty convenient. (laughs) These days, they need to be close by each other. I'll be talking a little more about that in a little while. Whoops. Um, Unlike the elections for District 2 and 3, both of which feature an incumbent, the two District 4 candidates are entering from the outside. Okay, here's one where we're going to get a new council person no matter what. Candidate Addison Winslow returned to his hometown of Chico after the campfire to provide aid in the midst of the subsequent crises. According to the candidate statement, Winslow aims to change the course of the city and promote green community growth and a sustainability-oriented general plan. If you haven't noticed, I'm kind of, oh, I just remembered. Where I live is technically not the city. I never get to vote on council people, even though I, I spend more hours at my office on Mangrove, which is in the city, and that's in District 4, I understand. I spend more time in Chico than I do out of Chico, but they don't let me vote for Chico City Council. Hmm. Well, wait, with these mail-in ballots, I I can probably figure something out, come to think of it. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Winslow opposes the privatization of the city's sewer system and vehicle-focused growth and is in favor of affordable housing and walkable neighborhoods. Well, that's a pretty noble goal also. District 4 candidate Nicole Nava is running with the goal of expanding public services for that of the Chico Police and Fire Departments while retaining those who are already there. Nava, who has a business degree, hopes to encourage the creation of better-paying jobs and create a business-friendly environment should she be elected. Nava, who has worked for the Butte County Department of Employment and Social Services for 20 years, also aims to push for mental health and drug rehabilitation solutions. Well, again, that's a good goal. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back after this message. California is headed in the wrong direction. Let's make sure we have representatives who fight for us. Assemblyman James Gallagher is that type of representative. When fires destroyed local homes and towns, James Gallagher forced Sacramento to act and got us the needed resources to rebuild. When the Oroville Dam failed, James Gallagher fought the bureaucrats to get the dam fixed and help those that were affected. James Gallagher has always been a fighter 
for us. This is James Gallagher. Gavin Newsom and his liberal allies don't listen to us, don't understand our values, and don't care about our part of California. I took Newsom to court to stop his unconstitutional power grab, and I'm fighting the bad ideas, excessive taxes, and high gas prices that are harming our state. With your support, I'll keep fighting for you. Paid for by James Gallagher for State Assembly 2022. Many people assume that the pursuit of happiness is a human right. But according to the Bible, God doesn't exist to make us happy. He has a much higher goal. Be sure to listen when Chuck Swindoll describes the mysterious ways that God blesses his children. Tuesday on Insight for Living. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, enjoying a fine fall Chico afternoon. I'm going to pick up where I left off. We have one more district to look at for the Chico City Council candidates. Uh, District 6 is one of the largest in terms of ground covered and wraps around the entire eastern part of the city. It encompasses Upper Bidwell Park as well as the California Park neighborhood. Candidate Jessica Gianola is a housing case manager and sits on the state board for researching homelessness. She graduated from Chico State with a degree in public health education and is taking aim at the housing crisis and its impact on local public spaces. In her candidate statement, Gianola cites affordable housing and smart development as part of her focus. Gianola hopes to change the direction of local tax dollars toward funding parks, roads, the fire department, and affordable housing. Tom Van Overbeek, a local business owner, wants to continue cleaning up parks and enhancing public safety. He hopes to do this by adding more police officers to the city's roster to focus on Bidwell Park and downtown Chico. Additionally, Van Overbeek wants to see more affordable housing and more housing in general, while also streamlining the process for increasing housing. Van Overbeek has a background in business management and problem solving per his candidate statement. Okay, so anyway, that's that's just interesting to review those council people. I, I always forget the fact that I work in Chico in the city, but I don't actually live in the city. So I don't actually vote on council members. So that's one less decision I have to worry about. I thought that was interesting. So then we might have a little state news. And this one I found very interesting because I heard about it. So I printed something out. And uh, when I saw that the district where Enloe is is the same as the district where the cemetery is, I thought about medicine, and I found an article. And it, this is, I believe this was just recently signed by our governor. 
And it says doctors who spread coronavirus lies could be disciplined for unprofessional conduct in California under a law signed Friday by Governor Gavin Newsom. The bill, AB 2098, introduced by Democratic Assemblymember Evan Lowe, declares that a physician or surgeon commits professional misconduct if they disseminate quote, misinformation or disinformation about the nature and risks of COVID-19, its prevention and treatment, and the development, safety, and effectiveness of vaccines. Hmm, there's the V word. I knew it would be in there. A doctor who commits such conduct could face discipline by the state medical board or osteopathic medical board, and in severe cases could potentially lose their license to practice in California. It was the last remaining vaccine-related bill of note after the more controversial measures didn't pass. Since the COVID-19 pandemic began in 2018, more than 95,000 Californians have died, according to figures. Figures figures don't lie, but liars figure, right? More than 80% of the population has been vaccinated with at least one dose But Lowe's bill said the spread of disinformation about vaccines has weakened public confidence and placed lives at serious risk. Well, I'm not a doctor, so I won't I won't pretend to know everything. The bill's language says that the Federation of State Medical Boards has warned that physicians who spread misinformation or disinformation risk losing their medical license and have a duty to provide their patients with accurate science based information. Well, I'm not even going to comment on that. That's very interesting. Hmm. I guess the question in these kind of cases is who decides what's misinformation and what's correct information. Hmm. Interesting. And on that subject, I decided to print some quotes because I I always enjoy quotes. They're kind of like short. It's almost like, you know, one-liner jokes, but they're not jokes. They're quotes, but they're always kind of fun. I remember a, f- a few weeks back, I did some Woody Allen quotes. And even though I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan overall, I think he's very funny. I'm not so sure about his personality and his private life, but... Sometimes I wish I didn't know, but he is kind of funny. He ma- he makes me laugh. How's that? So what I did print, because I heard a couple of these, and I figured, well, I'll get a list and see which ones are good and share some. Hope you don't mind. So what I printed was some Thomas Jefferson quotes, because when I was a kid, I used to really enjoy reading about the presidents and all that. Of course, that's when I was a kid back before I started started reading a lot more, but I, I used to like them. So here's a good one. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Well that's a short that's a short one. Here's a good one for uh, motivational speakers. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Well, that's, that's, that's very good. I like that. 
Oh, here's a good one. If you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. I like that. Timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the tempestuous sea of liberty. Well, you know, you got to remember the times he was living in. That, that was a big deal, obviously. There is nothing more unequal than the equal treatment of unequal people. Let's, I've have to, I'm going to have to think about that one. That one's a little, that one's a little bit of a, of a mind bender. Here's one I really like, and this applies to everybody. I mean, this applies to any time. When angry, count to 10 before you speak. If very angry, count to 100. Now, I thought this was Benjamin Franklin. It says, never put off to tomorrow what you can do today. I don't, I guess, I don't, I'd have to look up. I didn't know that was Jefferson. It is always better to have no ideas than false ones, to believe nothing than to believe what is wrong. Let's see if I can find some more winners here. In matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. Well, that's a good one. It says, I'm a greater believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Well, that's kind of true. Do you want to know who you are? Don't ask. Act. Action will delineate and define you. Here's a good one. Never trouble another for what you can do yourself. Here's a good one. I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. He who knows best knows how little he knows. I like the dreams of the future better than the history of the past. Well, that's... That's interesting. Interesting. Well, anyway, I won't I won't go through the whole list, but that's some pretty pretty interesting quotes. I enjoy those. Uh, stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back and we're going to get into a little more news and a little more commentary. upon the Holy Spirit? The Messiah did. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of asking you the question as we look at our Messiah, does the Holy Spirit rest upon you? David Hawking explains why we need to let the Holy Spirit rest on us this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Vegas. Pacific Justice Institute has filed an opening brief for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. 
The suit seeks to restore free speech rights and the right to distribute gospel tracts for a Northern California Christian evangelist. You see, for years, this faithful man attended multicultural events, especially the Hmong New Year Festival, at the 34 million square foot space in the California State Fairgrounds. Now, despite no complaints, the evangelist was asked to leave the festival because the tract distribution was limited to only 36 square feet. That's right, only 36 square feet. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while because you have the idea that church is not relevant to your life. But churches have changed a lot. Here's what some people have to say about churches these days. I think there's just really a closeness among the people. There is life here that that is not in this world that um, this world has, doesn't have to offer. I really like a positive environment. They really provide an opportunity for everyone to get involved. Church, look around and check one out. There's one out there for you. It's a real loving community. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Thanks for spending part of your busy day with me, Harold Littlejohn CPA. Another tax season bites the dust. It just seems to be getting to be a lot more work than it used to be. That's probably because I'm getting older, but honestly, like I was saying, there's just no, no such thing as an easy tax return. It's kind of crazy. So I brought an article, uh, it's from uh, October 14, so it's very recent. It's written by one of my favorite guys. If you listen to Business Buzz, you'll know this name, Egon Von Greyers, the Swiss guy. And it's titled, With Stocks and Debt Up 50 Times in 50 Years, How Far Will They Collapse? With stocks, bonds, and property in major bear markets, investors are desperately hoping and praying that the Fed and other central banks will come to their rescue. But this time it is different. You've heard that before. Central banks are determined to kill off inflation and with that the economy. They will, of course, panic at regular intervals just like the Bank of England recently did with their $65 billion emergency injection to save the pension funds and the gilt market. Gilt, G-I-L-T, that's the bond in England. But just like the bull market in stocks is turning into a long bear market, the 40-year downtrend in rates finished in 2021. As inflation rages around the world, the coming rapid rise in interest rates will not just shock investors. It will turn the global $300 trillion debt and the $2 quadrillion derivatives, mainly interest derivatives, into a lethal weapon of mass destruction. Yes, central banks will panic occasionally and lower rates, but the heavy weight of the debt will lead to both private and sovereign defaults and sell-offs, which will put continuous upward pressure on rates. As the world enters the biggest economic 
and geopolitical storm in history, few investors are prepared for the total annihilation of their wealth. Remember, this is not financial advice. You need to hire your own financial advisors. I'm merely a CPA who mainly does a lot of income taxes. I don't pretend to be a financial advisor, and I definitely am not a market timer. I came in about 12 years early to the precious metals market. I'm glad I did, but I'm not a market timer. I'm just reading somebody else's commentary. Because I have to say that after I read that last line, I'll read it again. Few investors are prepared for the total annihilation of their wealth. So it says Dow up 55x. In December 1974, the Dow bottomed at 677, and 47 years later, the Dow peaked at 37,000, an increase of 55 times. With a compound annual growth of 9%, the Dow doubled every eight years during this period. Uh, Before I go on with this article, that reminds me of what's called the Rule of 72, if you've ever heard of it. If you ask yourself, how long will it take to double my money at at a certain interest rate? You can take the number 72 and divide 72 by the interest rate. And that answer will be how many years it'll take to double. So let's say the interest rate's 12%. You take 72 divided by 12, that's 6. It'll take 6 years to double at 12%. But at 9%, that's 72 divided by 9, so it'll take 8 years to double. And that's how he comes up with that. But yeah, the rule of 72 is real handy if you ever need it. So he uses a name Alfred just as an example in his story. So it says, will Alfred lose all his money? Let's return to Alfred, a U.S. citizen who was born at the end of World War II. I wrote an article about him in February 2019 called Stock Investors Like Alfred to Lose 98% of Their Investment. Well, Alfred was very lucky throughout his investment life. By putting all his savings and excess earnings into the Dow Jones, he managed to amass a fortune of $14 million until the end of February 2019. He was even more fortunate to see the U.S. market gain another 45%, including dividends, until the end of 2021. So his wealth had by that time grown another $6 million to $20.3 million. As I wrote in the 2019 article, Alfred never sold and sat through and sat through every vicious correction for 77 years. So until January 2022, buy and hold had worked like a dream. By the end of the first week of October 2022, Alfred's portfolio is down from 20.3 million in January to 16.2 million, which is a loss of 4.1 million in 2022. Currently, Alfred is not the slightest bit worried as he had seen many corrections of 20 to 60% in the last 77 years. Based on his experience, Alfred is not concerned, although $4 million is a big paper loss. But what, is the, but what if the dream is over for Alfred and turns into a nightmare? 
with all his gains evaporating in a market collapse of 90% or more, like in 1929 to 1932. Well, in my view, the odds are very high that we will see a fall of that magnitude. A debt-infested world has lived on borrowed time since the debt feast started in 1971 when Nixon took the dollar and therefore most currencies off the gold standard. And what a feast it has been with total U.S. debt going from $1.7 trillion in 1971 to $92 trillion today. That is a staggering 54 times increase in U.S. debt in 52 years. Just look at the Dow Jones chart, which shows a 55 times increase in the same time period. It is clearly no coincidence that stocks are up 54 times and debt 55 times since the early 70s. Stocks have not risen due to a sound and well-managed economy. No, stocks only went up because printed money was handed to investors to inflate the economy and asset prices. We must remember that during the same period since 1971 when the gold window was closed, that the U.S. dollar has lost 98% of its value in real terms. Thus, the debt explosion has created inflated values which will deflate much faster when the debt implodes in the next few years. So it took 200 years to go from zero debt to $1.7 trillion. But when you remove the shackles of the monetary discipline that the gold standard enforces, irresponsible and incompetent governments and central bankers only have one objective. Their principal policy is to hang on to power for as long as, it, as, long as possible. When money runs out, like it did in 1971, there's only one way to stay in power, and that is to buy votes. Thus, the creation of $90 trillion debt since 1971 has been the most expensive bribery in history. I won't belabor the rest of that, but it's pretty incredible. The, 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 sheer, the sheer numbers we're dealing with are almost incomprehensible. And as they say, it probably won't end well. And the real problem is once people lose confidence, they're not going to want to hold dollars anymore. They're going to want to hold something real. And when that happens, well, you can imagine the scramble that's going to occur at some point. But then again, I'm not the world's greatest market timer. So don't quote me, please. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. I'll be right back for the last bit of business buzz for today. Darwin, still making an impact. This is Ken Ham encouraging all churches to start their thinking with God's Word. Charles Darwin lived over a century and a half ago, and yet we still feel his impact today. For example, public schools teach our children they're nothing but animals. So why should we be surprised that young people embrace various kinds of sexual immorality, celebrate killing unborn babies, and live to do whatever feels good and right to them? 
After all, if they're just animals, there's no higher moral authority than themselves. Darwin believed scripture's authority wasn't important. And we see this same attitude today. The more that evolutionary ideas pervade the culture, the more we'll see people abandon God's word and we'll see moral collapse around us. There's so much more to discover about how to view our world when you go to AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or read a transcript at AnswersRadio.com. America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. Hi, this is Doug LaMalfa. If you've shopped for groceries or gassed up your car lately, you know that inflation is getting worse, not better. There is no reason why everything we buy these days needs to cost so much more than it did just two years ago. The Biden administration and the Pelosi Congress are wrecking our economy with their massive spending, their regulations, and tax increases. They've wasted our precious water, neglected our forests, and ruined our domestic energy industry, making us more dependent on expensive foreign oil. Their bureaucracy, their regulations, and mandates make everything cost more, crushing small business. I fight in Washington for families' needs, not some political agenda, to keep our water flowing and our crops growing, a federal government actually managing our forests to prevent devastating fires instead of watching them burn, to cut through the nonsense to help our families survive. I'm Doug LaMalfa. I approve this message, and with your support, I'll keep fighting for what's right. Paid for by the Doug LaMalfa Committee. Hi, I'm Jim Daly with Focus on the Family. I believe the most important proposition on your November ballot is Proposition 1 having to do with life. If passed, Prop 1 would codify late-term abortions into California's Constitution. 70% of California voters believe human life begins at viability or conception. A no vote on Prop 1 will keep the current limits in place. No abortions after 24 weeks of pregnancy. And late-term abortions permitted only to protect the life and health of the mother. While most voters oppose taxpayer funding for abortions, Prop 1 will potentially cost you hundreds of millions of dollars with abortion seekers coming to California from other states. We believe every life, in the womb or outside the womb, is a person made in God's image and should be protected. I encourage you to register to vote, and between now and November 8th, vote no on Proposition 1. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me. I, I'm glad you can. You know, the last week has been so busy with this tax season ending, and time was my main thing. I, I only had so much time to get everything done, and so I thought I would share today a chapter from my favorite book. I don't even need to say the title. If you've listened to Business Buzz, you know what I you know what I like. So I'm just going to read starting uh 
I'm going to read from chapter 15. The title of the chapter is The Holy Instant. And number one is The Two Uses of Time. Can you imagine what it means to have no cares, no worries, no anxieties, but merely to be perfectly calm and quiet all the time? Yes, that is what time is for. To learn just that and nothing more. God's teacher cannot be satisfied with his teaching until it constitutes all your learning. He has not fulfilled his teaching function until you have become such a consistent learner that you learn only of him. When this has happened, you will no longer need a teacher or time in which to learn. One source of perceived discouragement from which you may suffer is your belief that this takes time and that the results of the Holy Spirit's teaching are far in the future. This is not so, for the Holy Spirit saves time in his own way and is not bound by it. Time is his friend in teaching. It does not waste him as it does you. And all the waste that time seems to bring with it is due but to your identification with the ego, which uses time to support its belief in destruction. The ego, like the Holy Spirit, sees time, uses time to convince you of the inevitability of the goal and end of teaching. To the ego, the goal is death which is its end, but to the Holy Spirit the goal is life, which has no end. The ego is an ally of time, but not a friend. For it is as mistrustful of death as it is of life, and what it wants for you it cannot tolerate. The ego wants you dead, but not itself. The outcome of its strange religion must therefore be the conviction that it can pursue you beyond the grave. And out of its unwillingness for you to find peace even in death, it offers you immortality in hell. It speaks to you of heaven, but assures you that heaven is not for you. How can the guilty hope for heaven? The belief in hell is inescapable to those who identify with the ego. Their nightmares and their fears are all associated with it. The ego teaches that hell is in the future, for this is what all its teaching is directed to. Hell is its goal. For although the ego aims at death and dissolution as an end, it does not believe it. The goal of death, which it craves for you, leaves it unsatisfied. No one who follows the ego's teaching is without the fear of death. Yet if death were thought of merely as an end to pain, would it be feared? We have seen this strange paradox in the eagle's thought system before, but never so clearly as here. For the ego must seem to keep fear from you to hold your allegiance, yet it must engender fear in order to maintain itself. Again, the ego tries and all too frequently succeeds in doing both by using dissociation for holding its contradictory aims together so that they seem to be reconciled. The ego teaches thus, Death is the end as far as hope of heaven goes. Yet because you 
and the ego cannot be separated, and because it cannot conceive of its own death, it will pursue you still, because guilt is eternal. Such is the ego's version of immortality, and it it is this the ego's version of time supports. The ego teaches that heaven is here and now because the future is hell. Even when it attacks so strangely, no, I'm sorry, so savagely, that it tries to take the life of someone who thinks its is the only voice, it speaks of hell even to him. For it tells him hell is here as well and bids him leap from hell into oblivion. The only time the ego allows anybody to look upon the equanimity and is the past and even there its only value is that it is no more how bleak and despairing is the ego's use of time and how terrifying for underneath its fanatical insistence that the past and future be the same is hidden a far more insidious threat to peace the ego does not advertise its final threat for it would have its worshippers still believe that it can offer them escape But the belief in guilt must lead to the belief in hell, and always does. The only way in which the ego allows the fear of hell to be experienced is to bring hell here, but always as a foretaste of the future. For no one who considers himself as deserving of hell can believe that punishment will end in peace. The Holy Spirit teaches thus, There is no hell. Hell is only what the ego has made of the present. The belief in hell is what prevents you from understanding the present because you are afraid of it. The Holy Spirit leads as steadily to heaven as the ego drives to hell. For the Holy Spirit, who knows only the present, uses it to undo the fear by which the ego would make the present useless. There is no escape from fear in the ego's use of time. For time, according to its teaching, is nothing but a teaching device for compounding guilt until it becomes all-encompassing, demanding vengeance forever. The Holy Spirit would undo all of this now. Fear is not of the present, but only of the past and future, which do not exist. So I'm just going to stop there and give you a little of my commentary because I've I've been immersed in this book for... uh, probably, I don't know, 13 years now, and uh, I don't profess to be an expert, but I do profess to have read the whole thing multiple times, and I think one of the real helps, one of the real helps with this book is that the goal is peace of mind. Uh, There's no goal, like with a law of attraction book, the goal is to win the lottery or to, you know, have a million dollars or whatever those books talk about, which is all well and good. But the goal of this giant book here is peace of mind. And one of the famous quotes that I believe might be from uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle mentions it in The Power of Now, but it's what problem do you have right now? And I believe that's one of these stories that Eckhart talks about with a Zen master 
holding up his finger to the to the students he has and he says what problems do you have now and the point of that is that if you concentrate on the present moment right now there actually are no problems the problems you conceive are always past or future and those are what your mind ends up dwelling on so if you can just remember that there's a place that you can go which is that present moment place and that's where you step back and observe your own thoughts that's how you get there that's how I get there that is what this is talking about and one of my favorite things is what what problems do I have now and that is a good way to pretty much get yourself into that present moment it's hard to stay there because I would say like the bumper sticker life happens every five minutes something new comes up that you have to take care of or deal with the goal and the secret to me and I'm not an expert I'm still learning after 13 years of reading this these things the goal is to stay in that present moment as often as you can for as long as you can one of the fears everybody has is they're going to miss they're going to miss out on something if they stay in the present moment but that's sort of the opposite you, what you're going to miss out is when you're not in the present moment it's like I've mentioned this before too if you drive to work every day in a commute of 20 minutes if you're not concentrating on the present moment you'll get to work and you'll say where'd the last 20 minutes go it's like I'm here already because you've been thinking the whole 20 minutes and you really you weren't present at all you weren't there you weren't you weren't in the now you weren't in that present moment you were dreaming away about a hundred things that go from one thought to another didn't accomplish anything except give you more stress and worry so if you could take part of that i mean the commute's just a good example you can you can use it any anywhere but if you can just take take a little time little time during every commute and just try to spend one minute in the present or 30 seconds at a time you're not going to get 20 minutes straight you're going to have traffic you're going to have uh you know people cutting you off on the freeway of course you know freeways around chico we don't use them that much but that is really the goal and you find that you don't miss out when you do that and you do get that peaceful feeling like i say this the the goal of this book is peace of mind and i always called the when i discovered the power of now in fact i discovered the the course because of the references to it in the power of now i read the power of now first and i kind of realize now that the power of now is sort of like the course light it's it's based on a lot of these things about time and the ego 
but it's all very helpful. I mean, I've had three or four books that have been very helpful, and I think about them all now and then. But the main thing I try to do is whenever I get any kind of stressed out points where I'm uptight, just sit there and say, well, another way to do it is to just say, I wonder what my next thought will be. And once you say that, you're going to have a little second where you don't have a thought. And that is where you want to be. That's that no thinking mode where you've stepped back and observed your thoughts. And that's that stepping back that's really the key to this whole thing. And when you do step back and observe your thoughts, you are what Eckhart would call present. And uh, that's where you get that peaceful feeling. And you really don't have any problems at that time for that two seconds. So those are just my little tips as to ways to calm your stress. I get very stressed in my work. Just, you know, life in general will stress you out if you let it. But if you can remember to just take a few seconds during your stressful time and just step back, observe your thoughts, and say, I wonder what my next thought will be. That's a good way to at least start on the path of, you know, a little bit of peace in your life. You don't need to be thinking about that uh, rent bill coming up on the first or whatever. Whatever. Everybody's got their own list of problems. You just don't need to be thinking about those all the time. And it doesn't, it really doesn't solve anything. That's my advice. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. Have a great rest of your day.